This is an FOU Studios podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to GXP, the Geek Experience Podcast. It's time to level up today with your daily dose of Geek XP. As always, I'm your host, Peter the Geek. With me today, I have GMJC. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Good to be here. I also have Brittles with us again, our local fantasy and Harry Potter aficionado. What's up? Um, our guest today is very exciting. I cannot wait to make him my best friend ever. He's a game programmer. He's a teacher. He's a bouncer. He's a stuntman. He plays music. He has had an internationally touring dance show at one point. He does everything. Ladies and gentlemen, Brad McDonald. Woo! Hello, everybody. Thank All right. So please tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, oh, boy. Okay. Where to start? I'm from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, the that, wait, that's the name of the town. That's the name. Have you never heard of Kalamazoo? I guess Kalamazoo. I'm from Wisconsin, so I guess I've, I've heard of it enough times. Oh, yeah, 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 the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm from Wapakoneta, so, yeah, uh, Ohio. You're from Ohio? Yeah. Where? Wapakoneta. Wapakoneta? Wapakoneta, Ohio. I, I think I have the wrong emphasis. Wapakoneta. Gesundheit. To yes. There we go. All right. <laughs> Wapakoneta, Kalamazoo. This is great. So walk. <laughs> See, this Where is what I did. From, I, I deflected the conversation away from me <laughs> and everybody else. This is, this is actually my comfort zone, is uh, talking about other people. So everyone's got interesting... Uh, I'm Selden. That's the name of my town. That's all I've got going for me. So Brad, tell yeah. us more about yourself. Oh, right, 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 right. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm... Uh, let's see, I'll just start in the present time. Please, I'm, yeah. I'm a professor over at Parsons School okay. of Design and an MFA and BFA program called Design and Technology where uh, when I try to describe it to people, I, I usually, uh, I can't. I'm able to do it because the students come from all around the world um, and we just basically help them figure out how to build whatever it is they want to build. It could be art installations, video games. It could be uh, they might do user interaction, user experience design. Okay. And a lot of the classes I teach there are about how to facilitate that. How can they make the things they want to make better? Okay. Um, and then I also do a lot of game design and narrative narrative sort of design classes there. I do a bunch of freelance design. I don't know if I can talk about what I'm doing now, but it's cool. Mm. I guarantee <laughs> that. And we'll be on the market in March. Uh, and then I do a lot of uh, freelance game design. Awesome. And very, very cool. Yeah, there's a long, yeah. circuitous route that led me to all that stuff, and awesome. maybe we'll get into that a little I bit. I mean, hopefully, yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, the next part of the segment, now that we know who you are, mm-hmm. is the Geek Out segment. So, without further ado, I think we need to... Geek Out! <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Brad. Um, I talked to you a little bit about it. What do you want to geek out about today? Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a geek agnostic. You know, I go from this thing where I'm like, ooh, I want to learn how to soft boil an egg, and I'll geek out over that for like right. a month. <laughs> um, and so I'm a very selective geekdom. And uh, really, my, my primary focus for geekdom is finding the threads that connect things. Okay, okay. And you know, if you look at my background and my, my, my work history, it's kind of, a, you know, it's super divergent. There's all right. this just, it's, I'm all over the place. But uh, it's the themes, the things that, like, I have this general philosophy that's about creative process. If you can bake a cake, you could probably figure out how to uh, build a car at some point. Um, It's all about developing Mm -hmm. uh, critical thinking skills, process skills, ability to evaluate things, and then learning the tools and the mechanics of your, your chosen discipline. 
Hmm. That's where my, my primary focus of geekdom is just figuring out how to make stuff. That's fascinating. So and, and, and then, then learning is your geekdom. Learning is kind of my geekdom, but uh, applied learning. Like, I mm -hmm. suck at memorization. I, I was never good. I remember having this moment in college where I was walking across my campus, and I was like, why do I have, like, a 2.7 GPA? I was like, I think I'm smarter than this, <laughs> right, but I'm not sure. Right. And so I was like, well, you know what? I, I'm just going to stop studying. That was that, you know, my one-person revolution, <laughs> fist in the air. I stopped studying. No, no studying! And then my grade point shot up. Right. And I realized right. I was just learning the wrong way. I was, I was trying to like learn the way people were telling me to learn, which didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. I'm better with ideas. I'm more like lateral concept things, mm -hmm. language-based tasks as okay. opposed to memorization. Sure. And that was sort of the beginning of the sort of acknowledgement that I was like, ooh, now I kind of know who I am and how I can get things done more effectively for myself. And I, I, I try to help other people do the same. Um, you're a big time game designer. When you go to your website, um, you, there's a huge list of things that come up. Some of them are labeled as concepts. Some of them, um, it's a lot of art direction. Like for Kong, Skull Island is on yeah, there. Yeah, that was great. I was going to say, like, yeah. I saw that. I was like, what? No way. Yeah, that's that's IP that you got to work with. One of the ones that I saw that I legitimately am going to buy because it's only on sale for two more days, Chicken. P Peter and I looked at the Which trailer one? together. Chicken? Chicken. Oh, Chicken is a fantastic game. Chicken looks amazing. I I'm just want to play that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a great game. Uh, a former co-worker, a large animal games roman resvin who's uh who's actually i was consulting i was he was consulting for a project that i'm working on which is a book about the overlap between technology and spirituality oh wow and okay. uh oh. the difference between sort of like spiritual possession and hacking okay oh. and uh Ooh. so i got roman in i bought him some korean food down in k-town and we talked about we talked <laughs> about this stuff <laughs> and then he was like hey by the way i've got a project which is um it's this thing chicken where you're basically programming blocks of sort of sent, there's sort of sentient blocks of animals, and each block that composes an animal, and each animal is made of maybe a dozen different pieces eyeballs, necks, backs, arms, legs, wings, tails, whatever. Uh, they actually all have their own little private chunk of AI. And you have this emergent behavior, animal behavior, because you might have an animal composed of, say, 12 different animal AIs, and its behavior then emerges. Where you might have even collect you know conflicting goals for body parts and all these kinds of things. It's, it's, it's pretty fascinating. Absolutely hilarious. Like you might have, for instance, um, the part of an animal that might be a gorilla and wants to like forage for its food, but then like wings of something else totally. that wants to like fly around, and so it can't really get to its food because it's flying around. That is actually a great premise yeah. for a game. That's why, and just the trailer in, in all, it, um, the trailer is the so trailer funny. Is fucking ridiculous. Because I mean, it's, it's the, it's like that David Attenborough, like if you look here, we're going to see the, the chicken goat at the, on the plains as it's rummaging around. And then it goes, and it, at one point it's like the chicken goat a puss. And you just see this thing sprawled out on the beach. Like it's, right. it's got a That's lot of part personality. Chicken, part goat, part octopus. Yeah, and it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's so much personality there. And it was fun working this guy, Roman, because a lot of his personality is represented in the programming of these, these creatures. Right. Because uh, for a game that's on Steam, it's available, it's, it's legitimately really cool, uh, and it's mm. out there being played by bunches and bunches of people, he was kind of freestyling a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you, know, you look yeah, at Yeah, a game big release, and you're like, well, this is kind of what occurred to me in the moment, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, 100%. And, uh, I, oh, Roman, I don't want to... I don't want to hamstring your your career or anything by admitting any of this stuff. But he was like, uh, 
you know, he started working on this thing and this company gave him all this latitude mm-hmm. and it just sort of like flew in the face of standard game development process where you're like, okay, we're going to go through this phase and this phase. He would show up and he'd be like, okay, I had this thought last night. Let's try this. And they so. sort of blessedly gave him uh, space to, to, to sort of design and develop from the gut. And it, it, I think it paid off. It's I cool mean, game. I, I, I want to play it. It clearly looks amazing. And yeah, it's, I mean, talking about like the threads between things and saying, screw studying like that. It's literally just the cre- like a true creative process genius that sometimes you can't just go through the phase of like first doing the initial coding to make sure you have the mechanics and then doing like reskinning. And it's just like, do what you need to right. do. Approach from the level that you want yeah. to see accomplished sometimes. Uh, 100%. I was talking to a, a group of students yesterday mm-hmm. And uh, I was saying, you know, it's all about finding your point of entry to an idea. Mm-hmm. And me, I'm, I'm kind of a bit of a hack as a programmer. And so <laughs> I, I, I don't want to start with programming if I'm working on a game because I know I'm just going to bang my head Bonch against it from the, you know, the start, wall and right. I'm just going to start frustrated. But I'm good at concept development and art direction. So I'll start with that. I'll give myself some wins for a week. And then I'll feel good about it. I'll feel mm-hmm. confident. i be like, ah, now I can handle some coding and some suffering. And then I'll, then I'll do that. Okay. But it's all about... Finding your point of entry. Roman, his position, he would probably just start coding because that's where his aptitude is. Mm-hmm. And then, then he'll bring somebody else in to do the art. So as far as this particular instance, what was your involvement? Like how much, uh, say, did you have in the game development? Very little, actually. It okay. was uh, in that, that gig was uh, almost truly just like concept development. Right. They said, okay, here are the animal parts. Here's the things that we need to try and compose. We need to figure out like how big are the various blocks, neck blocks versus back blocks and blocks and leg blocks and wing blocks. And uh, what is the look and feel of this world? Right, right. So which which uh, Peter mentioned, kind of, it emulates a Minecraft, but like at a high textured Minecraft. It is 100% influenced by Minecraft. Yeah. And uh, the idea is uh, Minecraft, where you're building the world, this is uh, the inverse. You're building the creatures that occupy that the occupy world. occupy the world. Yeah, right. Minecraft, is a, that's totally an influence right. there. Right. Yeah. yeah, it was one of the first things that hit me. Was, yeah, because you like you, you saw the thing where you're building the animals. I was like, that's so cool. It's 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 a game that's totally up my alley. I start I just started playing Minecraft like last this month, oh, and it's a bad thing that I started playing <laughs> it because it, I I mean I played with Legos nonstop as a kid, and like my like talking about like how you approach things. Like I am such a like I, conceptually I come at things and I just want to build and build and build and build and build. And when I'm done, I'm like, all right, so what do I have here? This is a thing where what I get did to, I make? Yeah, what did I make? Like it's I'm always like building and like thinking about how how I'm gonna go about it. And so like in Minecraft, I've been again, I've played maybe a handful, like it's a little embarrassing. I've played turned on the game maybe four times. Right. And I have like this thir- three story castle with it's beautiful and I love it, but like I, 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 I it's Sorry, I just, I'm, I'm trying to make sure we come back to the the whole how you approach things because sure, I do right. some I do some freelance game design myself. But not a lot. I haven't been paid for it. It's all very very light stuff. Uh-huh. I guess I'm more burgeoning than anything else. Hmm. Anyways, um, <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, it's that's how I, I go at it. I start I start just picking at things and just building how like on one train of thought, mm-hmm. and then sometimes yeah, I hit dead ends and I have to like reposition and go. But yeah, that's yeah, that's that's it's interesting that yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I love dead ends. Dead ends are interesting. I love dead ends and I love constraints. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing, uh, if I'm working on a project like a game or whatever it is, I, there's nothing I love more than the gift of somebody saying what this thing uh, is, like what are the values it needs to sort of like uh, embody and what it isn't. Mm. Oh, and I, right. I, I, I really love that. Like, uh, like the thing I think I'm best at, like I'm a good artist, I'm a good designer, all this stuff. But I think the best thing I'm, the thing I'm best at is probably negotiating design space, particularly when you hit a dead end and people yeah. are kind of like, well, 
now what? This mm-hmm. thing we thought was going to work doesn't work as well as we thought it might. What do we do? Right. Uh, and I'm pretty good at negotiating from that position. So like, okay, what do we know? What do we know? We don't know. And uh, instead of all of us sitting in a room and deciding, well, this is the solution, mm. let's identify what does a solution, what might it look like? And then go off into a cave and I'll try, try and explore solutions to that. <laughs> like I'm very much into the cave, the cave design right. mentality. Right, right. <laughs> the zone, the, the yeah. space zone. The flow. Yeah. It, you know, it, that also makes me think. I was, um, uh, I, I have a big boogeyman thing about Disney. I don't like Disney for various reasons. Mostly it's the big corporate attitude that it brings to art. I could go on for hours about that. But when you said that, it's a, it, it reflects huh. an article I just read about Black Panther and the, their concept for uh, costuming and how, like, the, the costume designer came in and they, they, they really wanted um, a lot of African influence in what was happening. And it's beautiful, beautiful design work. But she said there were specific parameters around things that she was designing. Right, exactly. She's like, oh, a superhero costume needs to function in these these very right. specific ways. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, and so, yeah, hitting a dead end. Sometimes you're going to run into situations, any sort of designing where you're like, well, I need to, I need to build this thing like this, and it needs to have this. And, then, and you find yourself in a box, and it's, yeah, coming up with those designs is freaking hard. Yeah. It's super hard, but like uh, that, my personal language, I don't know if any other designers use this, but I, use, uh, I think of them as enabling and uh, restricting con- constraints. Like an enabling mm-hmm. constraint would be something where it's like, oh, I have enough constraints that enable me to make design decisions and like I can develop forward momentum. Mm-hmm. And then there's sort of restricting constraints, which is like when do I, all the constraints pile up mm-hmm. such that all of a sudden I'm like in that box. Right. And whenever I find them in the box and I'm like, oh, I'm frozen, then I just, that's like my flag to myself to say like, okay, what's, how can I step back and how can I start removing constraints until I can actually gain forward momentum again, right. wrap my head around potential solutions. Can you think of a scenario like where, like a, a real life scenario where that actually happened to you? If not, totally understand. There's, you've, you've, I mean, you've worked on hundreds of games and projects. So, I, I, okay, I had this thing uh, years ago. This is also sort of a... a a revelation for me. I was working with a guy who is incredibly good at what he does. Such just a great, great game designer, CEO of a company. He was a brilliant guy. I have nothing but admiration for him. And we was working on this design. It was a user interface for a game. And at one point, I think I had a button that was like purple. And he was he was just like, hmm. Let's not make that purple. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's interesting. <laughs> and uh, I was like, what, why not purple? He's like, I just don't like purple. And I was like, okay, well, what, what color do you like for a button? He was like, blue. And I was like, oh, cool, interesting. So it's a few shades less. Okay. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's just like, it's a Roy G. Biv. It's just yeah. like mm, one strata down, down, you know? <laughs> and uh, I was like, well, why blue? And because it's a it's a constraint, mm-hmm. but sure. it was also yeah, an arbitrary sure. constraint. Right, kind of so, came out of left field. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But right. he had an attachment to it, so I was like, "Well, this is interesting. I want to tease out what his attachment is," and uh, in a totally professional HR safe way. Teasing. Oh, of course, definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. teasing. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, SFW. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I was like, "What? what why blue?" And he was like, "I don't know. I just like blue." I was like, "No, you. you it's deeper than that. What? What does blue <laughs> represent to you? <laughs> what did it mean in your family?" Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt really kind of hokey, like you know, like, right. it's like uh, artist manifesto time. Right. Like, blue is a representation of rumor. <laughs> well, I mean, that's true. I mean, we do know that color, and through color therapy, we can look at colors, and it generates a feeling and for some reason maybe the color purple resident something negative with him a hundred percent and since he was focused on though he wasn't focused he was very clear he's like purple let's get rid of it and move on 
Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, the conversation isn't about purple. It's going to be about blue because right. he's insisting mm-hmm. on blue. And for me as a designer, I was like, well, now I feel like I'm in a box. Mm-hmm. This has to be blue, and I don't understand why. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, what, what does blue represent? And he was like, I don't know. It's just I like blue. And I was like, okay. I was like, when stepping back from blue, I was like, what do you think of when you think of blue? He's like, you know, sky and water. I was like, oh, yeah, cool, me too. What about sky and water appeals to you? And he's like, oh, it's calming. I was like, cool. I was like, that's really helpful to me. Does that mean I have the room to design any solution for the screen that is calming, even if it doesn't mean using blue? And he's like, yeah, yeah, actually. My goal is not blue. My goal is calming. And it was interesting because you can kind of take this sort of negotiation of design space. That was like a really big moment for me. I was like, oh, I have so much power just to sort of like get help people express what matters to them. Fascinating, yeah. And that, yeah that, that's sure. the first thing that came to mind. I mean, it, but it's brilliant. Like that's exactly what we were talking about. It's like make it blue. Why blue? Yeah, right. blue doesn't mean of anything. All, of me. all yeah. the colors, like sure, yes, blue orange com- color combination is the most attractive for the eyes. So movies love using it. Great, cool. I get that. But yep. like, yeah, I love that because I, I don't know the color. Like I don't know the all the circumstances around this button. I just love that. It's like why? Why are we doing? Why and and so yeah, making a calming screen fulfills the exact same purpose. Yeah, and there are tons of ways. You know, a million tangents yeah. you could take to make something relaxing or calming. Yeah. Right. It's interesting that he approached you without without really mentioning it in context. He didn't say, "Well, I don't think really purple works for this aesthetic. I don't think purple works for the time period that this game is taking place in, or or the the reach that we're trying to do here." He specifically just didn't want that color purple. And right. you needed to, and you said, okay, well, you didn't give me a reason, so there must be a reason. That's not a surface level, like, doesn't work with the aesthetics, doesn't work with the design, has something else to do. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I find very often, you know, unless you're working with somebody who's exceptional, and they're like, whatever, they, they, they think about this stuff, like, this is what they nerd out about. They don't always have the vocabulary because sure. they, they've, they've developed some other expertise. Right. And so as a, as a developer, designer, the, my job is to sort of figure this stuff out, help them better articulate yeah. what they're trying to do. Yeah. Tease it out. Tease it out. In a completely SFW yeah. way. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so this actually makes me think. I just saw a fun uh, article about doing everything the client wants in a Photoshopping advertising gig. And it was hilarious. Oh, that's fantastic. The end product. Like, you know, it was a picture of a girl holding the, it was cheese, like holding the cheese product. And like, it was, it was a fine photo with the product placement, everything like that. And they did, like, again, every single thing that was asked, they did for the Photoshop. Clearly, I don't think they gave the client it, but they did it just as like a proof of thing. And like in the in the end, because they were like, well, we need it to be more natural, so we can have like a farm setting, but also like city because it's popular, and we need like the internet re- present, and we need like all of these things. Have pilots like this doesn't even what? Right. And so the final product right. is this hilariously like a scr- like over grinning girl holding the cheese in a way that's like close enough to her mouth. They dyed her hair yellow so it was more cheesy. These oh. animals were literally like <laughs> running around this farm like full speed. There was like literally alien abducting something like it was one of the funniest pictures I've ever seen because it was the idea of as a designer not doing what you did and literally just giving the client what they wanted but was that the experiment they were like okay we're as an exercise we're this is what we're going to do because we right. know it's ridiculous. Right, yeah, okay, that, cool. yeah, that was the entire thing. It was, right. what, if all of those requests come in, without, even di- without dissecting them, without asking, 
what what is it going to look like if we just do it all? There was oh that's right. There was even some guy in the background with wine. Like they put in just a new person with wine because well because you can pair cheese with wine, so we want to have like wine and stuff like that. Oh, so it's kind of classy. Geez. Yeah, because the audience wouldn't know unless you visualized it. For right, them. <laughs> right, right. There's no, there's no suggestivity. Um, this this reminds me very much, and I'm sure our audience will will know this, uh, of that Photoshop uh, troll on the internet that you see everywhere. Um, oh, the guy who he gives you exactly what you don't want. Well, he, you ask for something, but because you ask in specifically, he'll he'll take it to the dramatic level. Oh yeah, I've seen it, it's great. Yeah. Like, oh, can you make my boyfriend a little bit taller? Um, because you know, I, I look really sh- uh, tall next to him, and he's like, sure, no problem. And he delivers the final product, and her boyfriend is stretched to like eight feet tall yeah, 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 yeah. or something ridiculous. It's great. Hey, can you make it like she, a girl taking a picture where like she's supposed to be holding something? Can you make it look like I'm holding the island? So instead of moving anything else, it's like the shoulder. Just put down to the <laughs> hip level. Yeah. So funny. It's pretty brilliant. I love that. I hope this person's making their career doing that. Yeah. I hope somehow somehow they're getting paid to do I, that. Yeah. I hope someone it's, saw his work and said, I, I want to hire you to be as ridiculous yeah. as you currently just are. Just do what you're doing. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think I, at this point he has to because it is the same guy. Like, yeah, it, it is really the is. same. It, he's very clear that I am the one doing this. So, you know, he's a professional for like editor and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Like, and. I really hope that he gets the creative chance to be able to, yeah, just take what he wants to the extreme. But I'm sure that he's making money doing like professional level stuff. And I, wonder, I wonder at what point did that turn the corner? Like, was he be, where he was being cheeky and then it became a thing? Yeah. And then people were sending him requests, like waiting to see how he was going to mess <laughs> right, with their ideas. Like, right. at some point, you know, it turned the corner. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Because, I mean, yeah, he, it's, I think he started doing it because so many people were asking for free edits. Right. And so it was just like, ah. This right. sure here. This is what you asked for. Pay me if you want something better. And then yeah, I'm sure that it's a, oh, I'm gonna message that guy. I want to see the. I want to see my arm yeah. in a weird place. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so just bringing it back to games, um, we we right. had talked a little bit about um, talking about some bigger AAA releases in video games specifically, and just getting your opinion on uh, are you are you how would how would you describe your experience with like the current video game industry extensive are you more of like a indie designer i do and know like i do know that based on your website there's a lot of like mobile stuff i saw a yeah. facebook app that you worked on yeah. like th- there is a lot of indie level app right. level right, stuff right, right. we just we were just curious as to exactly what you were uh i would say most of my experience is indie games okay. okay uh the past 15 16 years or so like as a small developer when this company large animal started like it, you just couldn't really get into console mm-hmm. development i mean still mm-hmm. now it's a hard it's a, it's a big ask to be like we're gonna start a new AAA <laughs> development studio <laughs> Um, yeah, so we luck. just targeted, you know, small indie right. games sure. and we did that for 15 or 16 years uh, in that time. I think we made like 130 games. Wow. Um, and it's the, the crazy thing is every two to three, maybe four years, the market shifts. So the platforms changed, you know, we started mm. doing client games and PC downloadable games. And then we took some of those games and actually put them on Xbox live. Oh, and then right. we started yeah, doing Facebook games mm-hmm. were a huge thing yeah. and which, kind of thankfully has died away. Oh, thank God. Uh, then mobile. <laughs> but now mobile is such an incredibly brutal market to get yeah. into. Um, I was talking to a guy the other day. Um, I wonder if I can say this. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I'm going to do it. I mean, I mean, we won't say yeah. it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I have this habit, and this, this is a total tangent, but I have this habit. It's like whenever I'm teaching a class, I have the first assignment I give my students is like, I want you to identify 10 people who work, whose work you love and contact them, say who you are, what you love about what they do, um, what you do, thank them for doing what they do, and that's it. Don't ask for anything. 
And uh, it's, a, it's sort of built on a practice that I do. And so I'm always reaching out to game developers and artists and musicians and people and saying, like, you're awesome. Here's why I think you're awesome. Thank you. And I did that recently with this guy, uh, David Hohusen, who is the, uh, I think he's a game design director for uh, Dots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, mobile game. Oh, okay. Play yeah, Dots yeah, yeah. and Dots and Co. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally a, a Dots junkie. And he got back to me. You know, we, we ended up talking and we did stuff. And uh, crying out loud, what was I talking about? Um, reaching out, saying, I just like what you do. We were talking about your development in the game industry, something about AAA games. I think we lost the train of uh, Well, it was, it was like how... You know, uh, you just re- you give this assignment to your students. You reach out, right, right, and it's sort of like the, the just the, the the change in the industry. So I was talking to him. I was like, "Well, what you, how is it that you guys had such an amazing game in Dots mm-hmm. that it just blew up overnight?" I was like, "Did you just have support from Apple? Is yeah. that what did it? What, what was the secret to success?" Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, "He's like, we made a solid game. He's like, but we had a lot of money to put towards marketing." Mm-hmm. He's like, so Reach. opening day, we had, a, you know, we just had like a million downloads. I could, don't quote me on that number, but it was like an absurd amount of downloads yeah. because they had the funds to then reach out to people. And it was a good enough game that it like, it, yeah. you yeah. know, the, those, those people stuck around. Yeah. And now for indie developers, the idea of having, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, like maybe half of your development cost or equal to your development cost to then market the game on the day it launches, wow. it's just, it's just not untenable. And yeah. so, right. uh, right. So now you've got like itch, and you've got all these other places for indie game developers mm-hmm. to just like make their thing, share it, and maybe maybe make a buck. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, like you said, it's it's super competitive industry, and you can't break into it just the way that you couldn't break into AAA games or can't break into AAA games. Like as a whole new entity, it's it's become a different kind of beast and environment. Um, so I think a big platform now, especially on your website, we saw Steam. That's a big thing too. What would you say is a good place for people to start if they had wanted to get into game design? They wanted to have somewhere that they can reach or you know put their talent to use. Where where is a good market to break into? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. I would say there was a lot of really good sort of uh, small to medium size game development studios. There's probably you know, I can think of a half dozen around New York City off the top of my head. Um, there's all these new markets like um, I'm fascinated by museums. Mm-hmm. And uh, the museum space right now is really into exploring game mechanics. And uh, that's where a lot that's of my work is happening right now. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And because it's then it's you're creating a new market. You know, you're not competing with all these other people True. who already yeah. own that space. Yeah. Um, so I find that an interesting space to start because they don't know either. So you're in this, this sort of glorified position of educating people about maybe like this is how games could work in your space. And they're right. just psyched to hear how that could work. And so they're really receptive. Um, but then I would say like anywhere you can publish your games like itch or steam Mm -hmm. sharing your games. And the thing that I always tell people is, uh, just to go meet the people who are doing what you want to do. Sure. Um, That's a big thing. Yeah. If you're a triple a studio, you know, they've got their sort of like, they've got their, um, their applicant tracking system, their ATS system. It's so dialed in that, uh, and they're getting thousands of, you know, I'm a a character designer and I want to work for blizzard. Okay, cool. They got a thousand <laughs> other resumes yeah. that week, and it's all processed through a through a machine and a program, yeah. picking out your keywords from your resume, and just if they have an opening, it, you might be one of a thousand. Yeah, it yeah. depends. Yeah. Right? So I, I, I love. I'm a big fan of going to events, meeting people face to face, be memorable. Sure. Um, it's it's also amazing to me whenever I do go to events. Uh, where people will start, to, or even people who have responded to a job application that we've posted as a company, who 
have never bothered playing games mm-hmm. that the company has made. Right. <laughs> and it, it, it's, it's, it's amazingly efficient when you're interviewing somebody and you can say like, hey, tell me, uh, tell me a game you played that we made and what you liked about it and what you didn't like about it. And the 80% of them are like, I haven't played any of your games. And you're like, well, cool, thank you for your time. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> like, bye. bye. <laughs> so play the games right. for the yeah. place that you're, yeah. you want to go to, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I thought that was a given. Like, yeah. I, I, if... It, I mean, I, I I don't know. I I at one point was gonna become a. I was gonna go into video game programming, and uh, the the short form of the story is I went to a summer camp. It was supposed to be this awesome two weeks of programming. I was gonna come out with my own version of Asteroids. It was great. I did come out with my own version of Asteroids, but I was never gonna do video game programming again because not a single person in that room said another word to another person in that room the entire two weeks. Ooh. And I'm a social person, as we can tell, because I'm doing an interview based talk show right yeah. now. It was torture. Like, to, like, I didn't mind the coding. I loved the the creative element of, like, making my ships avatars and making, like, I had, like, the asteroids would drop power-ups, and, like, I loved my version of asteroids, but I'm never going to go back. Like, I, I knew I could never go into the pits because I just, it was so painful to not have anybody communicate with me. That is a little strange. Yeah, I mean, game developers in general, I mean, you have, you can almost see there's, like, this cast system based on sort of their role within a development studio. Yeah. You know, uh, there's the, the cliche about biz dev people. They're going to be like, hey, Yeah, game designers are sort of categorized based on, like, are they a statistician? Are mm. they coming more to game design from storytelling? Right. And so they've got their own particular kind of nerddom. And then programmers, like, there's all kinds of wonderful glory, glorious, colors of you know programmers yeah. and personality types sure. yeah i mean yeah. it's I, I i anybody that i mean anybody that works on a triple a game that's like being paid to do like several like i know that it has to be categorized like you were working on the coding for this particular animation for this particular mechanic yeah we want you to dial in that jump yes yeah like yeah, i yeah. can't imagine how like mind melting that is yeah. like hats off to them because if it if if it gets it goes wrong, you have the Skyrim jump or the Elder Scrolls jump, where it's just kind of like a weird float with a hop. Yeah, <laughs> that that is why when you when you say you want to, you should meet the people that are doing what you want to do. I want to meet the people who made the the game Goat, because that Goat Simulator. Because yeah. that is. Have you heard of this, Peter? I've okay. heard of it. I've never played the, it. Though. This is a quick rundown of what Goat is, yeah, and yeah. Brent, I'm sure you're you're familiar. Um, Goat was a game where the developers tried to make a literal real world simulation of you being a goat but they didn't fix any of the bugs and they approached it from the loosest perspective ever what <laughs> resulted is a now cult favorite game where yeah. your the mechanics are stupid and like the, if you press the wrong jump key your goat will shoot forward into the next city and like knock over 10 people it is ridiculous but possibly the best thing ever so i just googled the goat simulator game and their disclaimer of the game is quite funny it says yeah we have to read this out loud this is great goat simulator is a small broken and stupid game (laughs) it was made in a couple of weeks so don't expect a game in the size and scope of gta with goats in fact you're better off not expecting anything at all actually to be completely honest it would be best if you spend your ten dollars on a hula hoop a pile of bricks or maybe a real life goat (laughs) that's fantastic (laughs) you know i wonder 
oh man, it would have been fun to sit down with those that group of people or whatever the two people who yeah, made whoever, that right. you know, over the two weeks and just like to have been part of the conversation. Like, what did they expect was going to happen with that thing? Yeah. Like, were they just like, hey, we're throwing away a couple weeks of our lives, and then this thing actually develops this cult status? And it like, became hey, what huge. A, what a fantastic, pleasant surprise! Oh yeah. Well, or did they know that they had some secret sauce? Well, it's interesting because this makes me think of uh, both Fez and yes. we haven't play tested this game. Um, oh yeah, two games yeah, on brilliant. like polar opposite ends of this, of different spectrums. Because uh, Fez, I remember it was in development for like something like four or five years. Yeah, it was a long, painful right. labor. And just, but it was one guy. It was, right? yeah. It was yeah, 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 yeah. Just, the one yeah. Guy. just long and painful, and he trying so hard. And I remember fans just got pissed at him, just right. like just. What are you doing? And oh, a similar thing, uh, No Man's Sky. One guy working for ever on this game, and it came out and it was just not what people wanted. Yeah. All the way over to we haven't played tested this game, which is this, in my opinion, stupid, stupid card game. It, it's I actually great. It. Okay, so so <sighs> the name of the game is we haven't play tested this at all, and the objective of the it's a card game. I like it already. Um, the the objective of the game is to win. This is how it's stated in the rules, and if you do not win, you have in fact lost. And that's it. Apart from that, all you have to do is follow the instructions on the cards that you're dealt. It starts with very basic rules. I'm basically doing a plug for this game, I just I mean, realized. But it's, it's, I'm, I'm sold. I'm but it's, it. it's great. Um, so you dish out two cards to everybody. Everybody reads the cards and follows the instructions on their cards, which one of them is as simple as you win as soon as you play this card. But somebody else in your party might have a card that says um, <clears throat> repeal or something like that, where when someone plays a you win card, you win instead. And then there's another card that says anyone who points at another player for the rest of the game loses. And so you have to start keeping track of that. And then there's another one where you can't yeah. say him, her, or they. It's, it's It builds on itself. And it's absolutely it's, hilarious. See, the reason I didn't enjoy it is because the both of the times I've tried to play it, I lost within one turn. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. It's it's not fun <laughs> for <me>. Peter. <laughs> Everybody never, else had a blast. I have never had fun with that game so far. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe maybe if there is a time that I actually get involved where I get to do those things, it would be fun. But sure, sure, I, sure, I mean, sure, that, that's a, that, that's one of the trade offs is they haven't play tested it. So there yeah. are going to be times that people go, well, this is stupid because right. I. At least your expectations are managed. Right, yeah. 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 <laughs> I went into it knowing this is an unplay tested game. You, pay, yes. you paid $10 for something that you knew, you didn't know what was. Coming exactly, out, so yeah. yeah. Have like you uh, buying a mystery box on eBay? Yeah, right. Oh yeah. Have you played Curses? I have not played Curses. I haven't heard of it. Oh, no. Great game. Have you ever played Kings? I have played Kings. Yeah. Okay, so the, 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 the drinking game. Sort of form- yeah, what's that? The, the drinking, drinking game. game? Yeah, 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 I've played yeah. that. Um, it's uh, I could never remember the rules because I'm drinking. <laughs> right. Um, it's usually how it ends. Yeah, it's up, like right. euchre. You know, I would never remember the rules of euchre. The I love morning. euchre. Really? Please teach me how because I can't oh, yeah. remember because oh, euch- I've never learned sober. See, I'm from because I'm from uh, Wisconsin. I know sheep's head over euchre, and so I've gotten into some like ah, sheep's head's better euchre. euchre See, I have no idea what sheep's head oh, is, but great. being from Ohio, oh, trying so to find people that know how to play euchre is really hard. We shouldn't have like a head-to-head sort of. Sheep's because yeah. I don't know what sheep's head. Oh, sheep's head so euchre playoff. Man. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. That would be fun. Anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, so sorry curses, curses is a simplified, formalized version of Kings. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of like it seems like it builds up sort of like this. We haven't played des- play tested this game, mm-hmm. and that you're just doing ridiculous things. I think last time I played, uh, you know, I had to, my hands had to remain in contact with my head at all times, but I'm also had to draw cards and I had to like clap at one point. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, if you're drinking and having fun with friends, it's, yeah. it's the absurdity is what it's all about. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I, I've played it half a dozen times. I think we've finished one game. <laughs> right. But it's, it's not about finishing the game. Oh no, it's, it's like it's similar to Quelf. Like by the time 
time you get to the end of Quelf, you're you're done you're yeah. done right yeah yeah right um so we actually this was the half an hour of the time that we had to geek out with you good so grief technically yes. technically your time to geek out is done but that mean that does not mean the mm-hmm. conversation is over we're now at the plus 10 exp moment where we get to it's our time now Ooh, we're gonna nice. we're gonna talk to you about whatever we want to talk about go basically. for it i want to hear <laughs> i want to learn okay Brittany, okay take it away so peter brought up quelf and i love quelf peter actually introduced me to it and i recently got my own Quelf board for Christmas and the design and all of the production value has greatly decreased. And I was wondering what your thoughts on I, that I were. I heard this. Oh, I, I hadn't seen that. I, I heard this. Someone, I don't know if it was you, Peter, mm-hmm. but someone else had mentioned that more recent editions have kind of dumbed down Quelf. Yes. It, yeah, mm. it's, I so hadn't seen that. The, no. you, you've played the you've played Quelf? Yeah, yeah so but great. I don't know anything about like this dumbing yeah, down. Yeah, so, no, like, so like there's Mrs. Picklefeather and the Platypus and Super Ninja Monkey, Mr. Lugnut. I know this game way too well, apparently. Apparently. All of that great stuff. In I the have new colored version, pawns. In the new world, yeah, it's, they're, they're just pawns. They're just pawns. And my board is, you know how, Peter, your board um, folds out and everything? Yeah. Mine is just one solid, small, tiny little square. What? Yeah. Is is it still like the yellow brick road of doom? Yes, but it's just like the how you have like it folds out and then you cut in it and it's like a full like game board. board, Mine's like one square of that it's tiny whoa so like, it's like re- a travel edition or something yeah. right i feel like, it, like, like it's meant to be a shorter game because you have uh, less squares to travel mm-hmm. maybe is it the same number of squares at least i think so, so and the rules uh, are all the same so yeah, why i guess that's a really good question yeah why would a company who has brilliant art design beautiful wacky like a, a, a freaking culture of a game decide to parrot like remove that that I have no idea. I mean, the only thing I could think of is they did some sort of play testing where they're like, "Ah, oh, you know what? We have, our new players don't care, and so let's save money." Yeah. But but that that just doesn't seem to make sense. Sounds uh, like they did some kind of like focus group, and yeah. they got the wrong group of people in the room. Right. Or exactly. Like that, no, right. actually, our players like the weirdness and the idiosyncrasy. Right. I don't know why you would make that decision to the, sort of dumb the, down on a successful product. Yeah. Sure. The fact that it's smaller, I understand. Like maybe like you said, it might be the travel edition or something like that. Oh, but nice but point. but it's not marketed that way. It's not like Quelf on the go or you know Quelf to go or anything like that. It's just this is the only version of Quelf that you can now get. Yeah. And we we touched base about this earlier. It's it's similar in some respects to larger game designs and, and Dungeons and Dragons, for instance, that has multiple editions. So they they want to make it more accessible to more people. Yeah. But there there are differences. Surely, like not I mean, something as ridiculous as a board game like Quelf lives on those idiosyncrasies, lives on uh, all the, the randomness of it. So you shouldn't take a core element away from it. The only thing I can think of, which I also, I still think is a bad idea, uh, is localization. Mm-hmm. Also true. Uh, yeah. If they were saying, hey, we need to strip out all the things that are specifically kind of Western and American because we're going to say we're going to sell this uh, game now in the Philippines sure. or China yep. or someplace where people don't have an association, like the idiosyncrasies backfire on a new, a new target audience. Right, right. Maybe. But mm. it's still... I don't know. I I, I I don't even really buy that. I'm just I'm straining to figure it out. I, I mean, it. The only thing that I I mean, we already touched on it. The only thing that makes sense to me is make it more mainstream. Like right. some some executive marketer was like, it's too wacky. Like it's it's too indie. It's too weird. We gotta gotta make sure that anyone can pick this game up and play it. Sure. Like that's that's what it sounds like. But it's just. It sits wrong in my soul. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, there, there is. As far as my experience goes, there are moments when 
um, if you're trying to make accessibility, if that becomes a priority in your design and you're trying to invite more of a market, there is a fine line between um, simplifying the mechanics but still achieving the same result versus removing content. And I feel like something that that would be a good example of it. So for D&D, for instance, I think that that was well done. I've recently I've played uh, several editions of the past. I'm now playing the most recent one. I've noticed that Dungeons and Dragons in fifth edition, they take away some aspects of the game that kind of overcomplicated it in previous editions and have streamlined it. That's one thing versus World of Warcraft, where, um, for instance, I, I was a huge World of Warcraft gamer, but they took away mechanics like you now press a button and you have a campfire rather than getting the flint in the wood. Well, that kind of was part of the immersion of the game was letting you do that kind of stuff. Yes, there's more stuff to distract you now. There's more content in other places, but you've now removed core elements from it that make it more accessible to a larger audience, but you're not supporting your loyalty either. Yeah, and I wonder if there's something like that. So the grind of collecting campfire material is just sort of like will everybody else who's gone through that looks right. at the new players like, oh, yeah, you, you don't deserve to be here. Right, right, <laughs> so, right. And there's a lot of that culture. So I started sure. playing in one expansion, and uh, a lot of the people say, "Oh, you'd never know how hard you, how hard it would have been, or how easy you have it." You know, this is back oh, in my day. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that happens everywhere for the show Batsu. Like, yeah. I, I was, I've been doing that show. I, I, I don't even know, but since 2012, so six. Like, this is the sixth year that I've been doing this show. You, you now. actually do know. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I like. I, I did <laughs> the math. I did the math. I did the math. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, this, the starting off, we say all the time, like, we started. We were happy to have like 12 to 20 people in the audience, sure. and like, I as the side staff character, I was doing. All of the side, like it was a much harder thing. And the, these new young whippersnappers that come in, like two years, like and we complained about sixty-five com audience. You complain about it's a low night. Yeah, oh, only fifty people in the audience tonight. I'm like, <laughs> how can I find the energy? Yeah. Like, you guys have no idea. It's yeah. I, think I that, couldn't be this day. <laughs> I mean, that happens everywhere. But yeah, I, of course, I, yeah, in many things. Uh, I mean, right. but but that's also different. Mechanically, I can see where it's like if enough people are saying, I don't want to collect flint for firewood. I just want to have a fire like i i see that sure, for a game like sure. world of warcraft for immersion like, uh, <laughs> the, 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 this was to be fair this was the simplest example i could pull i could I, mean, I could pull you there are like why the boss battles have changed dramatically where now it's all about standing don't stand in the fire versus like the tactics of three or four years ago well, that made that a much more immersive well, game so right, right, I, right, right. I picked a very simple example yeah. but well, I, I have my own thing I kind of wanted to just pick ask your brain about. Geek this out. This, okay. this deals with um, difficulty curve. I was originally, originally going to ask about Monster Hunter, but I don't really want to anymore. <sighs> have you heard of XCOM? I have, but I've never played XCOM. Please don't. <laughs> it's, the reason I say that is I, I love tactics games. I play uh, like Final Fantasy Tactics, Fire Emblem. I love those turn-based tactics games. Yeah. But there's always a logic behind what happens. XCOM... And people that love XCOM, <laughs> they love it because of this, and it just infuriates me. I, I can't do it. It is so hard that mm. it's almost impossible to to play. And like, they most people lose the game, and like that's why when they made XCOM two, the story was that aliens had taken over, and it's still just as difficult. And it's it, like mm. to the point. It's and I find that breaks in logic. Where like if somebody's standing on the ground. And I have somebody on a third story building, like twenty, like five spaces back. I do not find it logically or tactically interesting, or and it just 
boggles my mind that it's okay for people that this person will shoot through a wall and then shoot through the ceiling and then shoot through a wall and then shoot through another ceiling and land a critical hit, instantly killing my guy. Well, that doesn't make sense. But hold on. I, but I have that's to, XCOM! I have to ask a, a point of clarification. So I've never played XCOM. Um, I've seen it very briefly in some things. I bought it for a friend of mine who really liked I bought two for a friend of mine, and he showed me what the game was about. And it was basically like Marines versus aliens, right? Yeah. What was one about if the aliens hadn't taken over? It was, it was the invasion. Oh, it was the invasion. Oh, I yeah. see. So then it becomes more yeah. like the resistance. So the question here is, in terms of emergent, in terms of game design, why would you continue to press a difficulty curve like that? You know, they're, they're just huge fans of games like Dark Souls, Ninja Game. Oh, they're yes. these games that are God just like... damn Ninja Games. Right, right. <laughs> oh. they're, they're, it's... This is what they do. They they supply this kind of like just impossible task where yeah. failure is just built into the process. And uh, so for that person who's willing to slog through hours of mastery, sort of memorizing the sequence of movements uh, that you need to do to take down a yeah. boss, um, there's enormous pride and loyalty in that. There's a market yes. for it. I, Absolutely. I, my, my personal experience, since we're geeking out and I'm allowed to do this, my personal experience with Ninja Gaiden was I, I played for about the first eight hours of it. This was the one that had come out for the Xbox. So it was like their first newer console release, original Xbox. Was, um, that, the, was that Ninja Gaiden Black? Was that the I, one that I they made easier for people? No, 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 no. I think it was Ninja Gaiden. It, like they had restarted the franchise because it had come out in like a in, like a side scroller, I think uh -huh, originally okay. or something like yeah. that. Um, and it and it came out for the original Xbox, uh, and I think it was just called Ninja Gaiden. Um, so it might have been like a reboot of it. But um, I remember playing about yeah a few hours of it and finding it so difficult that I got to the first boss fight and she blasted through a window in a church and landed in front of me and I looked at her and I was like, nope. And I shut off the game because I <laughs> knew. Tapped out. Yeah, I, I knew. I, I Maybe I gave it a minute, but I knew that from the get-go, had I had troubles with the minions. I did not have the time or energy into putting it into this boss, but things like Dark Souls and Bloodborne, yeah. I've been a big fan of since they started coming out. So I've been playing those and I don't know if it's just as a, as a gamer, one matures and finds the challenges that they remember from their past interesting and they want to engage with it more, or if it's if that's just a different kind of difficulty curve. You know, I, th this is this is not some high-level understanding of the industry or anything, but my, my friends who are really into Dark Souls, and mm. I'm not, I appreciate mm. it, but I'm, I don't get sucked into those kinds of games. Smart. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right? I just, again, I, I want to minimize my my head-banging against walls and sure. throwing yeah. of console yeah. Thank controllers. Thank you. Um, but they love the world. Yeah. They're like, yeah. you know, I'm willing to kind of yeah. like suffer through this, develop a sense of mastery. Because I think a lot of, you know, the really good games, and which is one of the reasons why we don't like games where just random results happen. And right. you're like, why did I lose? Why? How come that guy shot me through five buildings? Right. It doesn't make sense. Um, if you can develop some sort of sense of agency and mastery, then that's, mm -hmm. that's you're locked in. And right. games like that where you feel like you worked yeah. to develop yeah. mastery. But it's in a nice world, and it's got the, that, something compelling about it. The story brings it. you it in. draws you in, yeah. That exactly. makes sense, yeah. I do have to end our conversation now. We're at Whoa. the 47-minute mark. Like It's been a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming in today, it's Brad. It's been my pleasure. This Thank you for having awesome. me. This has been awesome. Really quickly, I hope you guys leveled up today. I know I got enough GXP, too. So uh, signing off again, I'm Peter the Geek. I am GMJC. I'm Brittles. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next time. All right, cool. boom. Dude, that was awesome. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to our show. If you liked Geek XP, help us out by becoming a contributor on our Patreon. We have bonus content, raffles, and more at patreon.com slash yourgeekxp. 
Geek XP is recorded live at Face Off Unlimited headquarters in Astoria, Queens, and was edited by Peter Hargard. Executive producers are Joe Tex, Jay Painter, and Eric Robinson. FLU Studios is a property of Face Off Unlimited, LLC. I'm Peter Hargarden, the senior producer of podcasts here, and on behalf of everyone who worked on the show, we'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. Subscribe to catch all of our other podcasts here on the FOU Studios Podcast Network. To connect with the geeks, follow us at Your Geek XP on Facebook and Twitter. To learn more about FOU, connect with us via social media at FOU Studios and visit us at FOUStudios.com. Boom!